Well, if you're new with us or visiting or guests with us, we are journeying this year through this ancient story of a walking people recorded in the book called Exodus, The Road Out, the second book that's found in the First Testament of the Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures. And as we journey along, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 7, and in Exodus chapter 7 begins the 10 plagues that come upon Egypt. What great timing on Mother's Day. The plagues, you moms know your children are often like plagues, (laughs) causing disruption at minimum to complete devastation and sometimes out with no warning and all you can do is pray to God for mercy. Nope, I just can't do it. Um, Even though in parenting there's often blood and bugs and bad weather and maybe even frogs. (laughs) Not today. It's Mother's Day. We'll pause. Tune in next week. I know you will after the last teaser. And here's another reason to be here. I said I'll either, I'll probably just preach one or two messages on the the whole of, of the plagues as a theme. I'll press more into the Passover story. That's a pretty powerful one. Uh, but as, as we go, I, I, I just couldn't, couldn't stomach 10 weeks of plagues, and probably you couldn't either. So it will be a much, a, a much broader overview as we enter into that story. But it's powerful. It's important. It teaches us a lot about God's, about God's deliverance and about the, his, both his, his power and his mercy and the, the hardness of heart that we all can express even when there's so many opportunities and signs to trust him, to walk with him. Uh, so we'll see some of that. But today, I'll pause. And it's not my regular practice, most of you might know, uh, to pause and do standalone messages on Mother's Day or Father's Day for that matter. But sometimes exceptions are good. And considering last week's message from Exodus, or inspired from Exodus 7, 1, uh, that we are created in the image of God. We looked closely at that. And so this is a, a chance to press even a little bit more and, and even join in with some of the words that, that Rachel shared about the heart of God and his creation for his people, male and female, in his image, and I thought appropriately, on Mother's Day, I, something I don't think I've, I've done directly, but indirectly, is to pause and to preach on the, the feminine heart and mothering heart and nature of God. We saw last week in Exodus 1.26 this powerful description of God's creation of his people, that we are both male and female made in their Image, that's the plural, the language that is used in Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. There's a plural there, and we sense that God is uh, both one, as is declared throughout scriptures, and we have come to believe and see that God is triune also, as God the Father, as Jesus teaches us, but really God the, the, the Great Spirit, the Yahweh, the I Am that we are coming to find and to know in Exodus. Jesus the Christ, very much fully, fully man, embodied God and fully God and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So there's a plural here. 
And then God goes on to say, let them, that's male and female, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all wild animals of the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. So God created humankind in, in many of our translations, this would say his image, but in context, it could also say in its image or their image, keeping that same plural. Uh, Hebrew's a little vague there. In the image of God created, male and female created. That's a more direct, literal translation of the Hebrew. It doesn't quite flow into our English in the same way. Uh, And so we see this powerful origin story of God's creation and placing spirit image on all humankind equally. So that we can say rightly, God is just as feminine as he is or they are masculine. That should not sound provocative, and yet it, it might, just depending on how, how we were raised and how we grew. We live in a male-dominated world presently, even more so historically, oppressively and abusively at, at times. That's certainly the context that the scriptures were written into, 2,000 years, much, much of them written 2,000 or up to 3,000 years ago. So we understand that context that they were writing into being such a male-dominant world. But according to this origin story, God's intention is that male and female have dominion, rule, authority together. Not over others, over his creation, side by side. We even see it in the creation story when, in a couple ways, the only thing said to not be good at the beginning was that man, Adam, was alone. The only thing not good is that one, a man, would rule alone. See where that's gotten us? And secondly, the image of woman, Eve, the first one, being created out of a rib, out of a side, to be side by side. Not before, not behind, side by side. Co-image bearers equally of God, spirit God, omnipotent creator God, and to rule and have dominion side by side. This is our origin story. So a statement that understands God is limitless and would say he's he's equally feminine as he is masculine should not be provocative and yet still might feel like it is for some of them. I invite you to embrace into, into this as a foundation. As, we, as I highlight just a few of the more overt metaphors and expressions of the, the heart of God, maybe a, traditionally a little more on the feminine or the mothering side. There's some that are overt. I think there's much that's, that's a, a little bit less direct that we see throughout the scriptures. These themes of God's nurture, comfort, protection, tenderness, mercy, not exclusively feminine by by any means, and maybe sometimes just our culture that labels them incorrectly, but they are certainly hallmarks of godly women and mothers, and 
There are some more, again, direct and overt metaphors used in Scripture. Let me highlight just a few. Isaiah 66, verse 13. If you like to flip around or search quickly, you can do that. If you miss any of these, uh, certainly this will be recorded and you can go back, but I'll say it again. Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, says the Lord, Yahweh. You will be comforted in Jerusalem. So the prophet Isaiah recording the voice of God, the word of God to his people directly uses the metaphor of just as a mother comforts. Something unique in in the way, the God-created way that a mother, she would do this. God is saying, I will do this for you, my children. We know that image of children of God as Jesus reveals him most as father, but he's not only, only father is a very powerful one. In Psalm 91, Verse 4, God's protection is compared to a mother hen sheltering under her wings. Jesus used the same metaphor for himself in Luke 13, 34. You may remember his heartfelt prayer for Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing So Jesus, both drawing from the Hebrew Scriptures, but also then applying to himself his own heart and love for his people, for whom he has come. We can respond to that today as we we end. Are we willing? Are we willing to receive this fuller and bigger love of God today, expressed through the Scriptures, invited to us through Jesus himself? In Hosea 11.3, Hosea 11.3, God's tender care for his people likened to a mother teaching her child to walk. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. You can see that picture. Now, certainly a father does that as well, but in that culture, even more so than, than today, the women raised up the children, really the women of the community. But the men often weren't that engaged in the upbringing and the care of children. So this image and picture is very motherly, of, of holding hands, maybe just with two fingers, and beginning to walk. That's, that's a picture that God uses of himself for raising us up, for inviting us to grow, to mature. So tender, so, uh, so special. I think throughout Scripture, generally, we see God's presence with his people is sustaining, nurturing, protecting, guiding, and providing. Just as a mother's love nurtures and shapes her children. Maybe one of the most explicit metaphors is in Isaiah 49, verse 15. So back to the prophet Isaiah 49, 15. We find God's unwavering love compared to a mother's deep affection for a nursing child. A couple moms amongst us in our midst and in our families We'll have a direct, immediate connection to this metaphor. God, again, speaking through his prophet, Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? This is using hyperbole-type language. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. This is a provocative statement. Could any mother 
forget their child. There's such a, there's such a I would say, God-given bond that happens there. How could that be possible? It should make us say, well, no, absolutely, and ne- never. And God says, even if, even if an earthly mom were to somehow forget, I will never forget you. Take the impossible to think about, a mom abandoning her child. Though some mom have, moms have been in such horrendous circumstances that maybe they felt desperate and there was no other way. And yet God says, I will never, could never forget you. It's reminiscent of the language that Jesus uses when he says, uh, Matthew 7, Luke 11, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give to you? Again, hyperbole type style language. Pastor Sky Jatani, a number of us follow along with his daily devotional or his podcast, uh, former Alliance ordained pastor, now uh, doing a lot of other writing and pastoral supportive work. I really appreciate his ministry. He quotes from Exodus 34, 6, back to our story, a, a passage that we've actually quoted many times already, even though we're not there in the story, because it's such a, a powerful declaration from God, Yahweh, about his character, his name, his being. Uh, this sound familiar? Exodus 34, 6, the, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he goes on from there. So Sky Jatani takes this and, and teaches something profound about the word in Hebrew translated merciful, sometimes compassionate. It comes from the root word rechem, which means womb, womb, a mother's womb. And here's what Sky Jatani says. The ancient Israelites had no better way of describing God's compassion, his mercy, than to look at a mother's love. Here in Exodus, however, it isn't the people describing God's love with maternal language. The Lord links himself to the intense, visceral feelings of a mother for her newborn child. He's declaring his constant concern for his children and vows to fiercely protect them. And we already know from his response to their captivity in Egypt that when they cry out or experience pain, he aches as well. He is moved to act. He has a powerful, profound observation. These themes are found throughout the scriptures, some overt, some not so much, uh, but they're there. And when we look to Jesus, the one that we saw last week is the exact representation of God's character, we have to also say that that does not mean that God is man or male. God chose, likely contextually so, to enter in as a man, enter into this world as Jesus, as a man. But remember, Jesus himself says that in in John chapter 4, that God is spirit above all. While he teaches us to pray to God our Father, and he emphasizes that kind of relationship, which would have been just an amazing thing, even, even for the Hebrews. He, and he, he calls out to his father, Papa, essentially, Abba, Papa, the most intimate kind of term. And that's a, that is powerful, it's revelatory, but it's not meant to be exclusive. And above all, Jesus says, God is spirit. 
We are meant to worship him in spirit and in truth, as if God could be limited. And we look to Jesus, we do see him consistently, intentionally, naturally, crossing over gender boundaries, certainly in that context, by his mercy, compassion, care, meekness, just that heart of healing and of touch, maybe above all. He enters into the lives of his people. Maybe most profoundly we see in Luke 18, verse 15, Luke 18, people were bringing infants to him, children and even infants, it says, that he might lay his hands on them, touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to, get away. But Jesus called them and said, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter into it. Back to my announcement from before, there's something we must learn from children. Their childlike faith, their purity, their innocence, how they enter into the kingdom and express it, even where Knowledge and faith might not be developed at all. Uh, The heart, the spirit, the full image of God is upon them. We must learn from them. What a powerful, really striking example it is for Jesus to not just make space for and give like a courtesy nod to, but to say, no, this is the kingdom at work. Let them come. For a man, a young man at that, at at this time, at 30, 31, in their context, a young man holding children, even infants, making space, being with families. The disciples were doing what was natural. No, let the children not disrupt the grown-up's business. This man is teaching with a kind of wisdom and authority that we have never seen. Don't disrupt that. And Jesus does the opposite. He crosses over Uh, not just cultural boundaries, uh, but but gender norms to engage and to welcome and to nurture these children, to see them, to come down to their level. We see Jesus do this all the time. It shouldn't be that surprising. Generally speaking, the sacrificial love that we see in so many moms, it just seems to be inherent within them to lay down their lives if called upon, and really daily they do, for their children. We see that in the heart of God, in the heart of Jesus. For no, no, there's no greater love than this, that you would lay down your life for your friends. John 15, 13. In this heart, we are all invited and called to embody God's mothering heart, his feminine character, although again, that's more culturally assigned than it is evident in the heart and character and nature of God, that we are all meant to embody, to grow into. Though we will fall short, we are called to this kind of kindness, of listening, of open hearts, all to nurture, care, show mercy, and reflect to represent the image and the character of God in all ways. 
Certainly God's love transcends gender and all earthly limitations. So whether we are mothers or fathers or sons or daughters or friends, we can embrace this mothering heart of God by extending compassion and mercy and care and nurture to one another. We are rightfully taught by Jesus to pray, God our Father. Absolutely. We follow in his footsteps. We follow in his, his heart and his will for us. But we also must say, God, stretch me to not limit you. Or I am challenged by your bigness, by boundaries being broken of who you are. May I grow in worship for you. May, may I never be done coming to know you fully, for God, above all, is spirit, is the all-powerful one. And we thank and praise God that he has made men, women, male, female, in his image to reflect him and represent him. And we have a lot of work to do, maybe one step at a time, little by little, to represent his kingdom in a way that says, no one is ahead or behind. We are side by side to rule, to have authority, his authority. And what does God's authority do? We spent two years in the upside down kingdom. God's authority and rule and power gives, serves, it's a race to the bottom. Those who are last will ultimately be first. We try to outdo each other in compassion, in mercy, in humility, in sacrifice. That's what we are invited to in the kingdom. God is spirit. Let us worship in spirit and in truth today. Let our, let our spirit, in each one, our heart, expand a little bit more today. May we receive you, God, more fully today. May we receive your love more fully today in all the ways you choose to express it and to make yourself known. Help us grow to receive. And that's going to look different for each one of us as we draw near to him and come to receive. He is willing. He is longing. We see it in the spirit of Jesus. How I long to gather you in, to draw you in, to protect you, not to keep you from the world, but to take you in as my own, that you might grow up in me in every way and be released in strength and in maturity into this world. He is willing. Are you? Are you willing to be embraced by the love of God today and to draw near? We can do so, and primarily we do so in heart, through our prayer, the prayers of our spirit, practically we can do so by singing his praises, by taking a posture of worship, and by drawing near to the table, as we do every Sunday when we gather, by coming to receive. There's a reason we invite you to, to come and receive, to be people of movement, as you take some steps toward the table. He's already pursued and loved each one of us, but now it's an invitation. Will we come to him? Come and receive. As you partake and by the way, if you're guests with us, it is, it is gluten-free, it is vegan bread. Just one small way to say we, we believe all 
who desire to draw near to Jesus and receive him, even if it's one small step today or a first step, all may come. With not their faith perfected, but with their heart drawn. So come, the table is open for all who would desire to take a step toward Jesus today or to come again as we do so weekly, to come again. There's elements there in the back. I invite you to partake in them. I'll pray for us and then the team, actually team, why don't you come and be prepared to lead us in response. I think three songs, three songs, so you have opportunity during these few songs to reflect, to continue to pray, to receive. If, you're, if you feel that your, your heart is, is not in the, in where you would want it to be, that's a great prayer. Lord, help. We often pray that prayer from the desperate father in Mark 9. What a powerful picture. Desperate for the healing touch of Jesus. I believe, Jesus. Help my unbelief. And if that's your prayer today, in any area, you're in welcome company. Jesus receives that. He receives whatever we would bring. And he desires to meet us here. For some of us, we are encouraged and uplifted, not necessarily just by this message, but in life in general, by the sense of God's closeness. And, and drawing near is, is relatively easy today. Give thanks. Give praise. Recognize being a part of a family, that's, that's not true for everyone. There's a heaviness, there's hurt, there's longing that we each also bring. God sees that perfectly. I see in part, because I know some of your stories, your God sees perfectly and is coming, inviting you to receive nurture, compassion, mercy, embrace, and care. For, for some of us, we, we've received that in spades from our earthly moms. Some of us get to express that today, whether in person or on the phone. For some of us, we can't. Our moms have passed. Even within this last year, there's a heaviness, and that grief can also be special and powerful and part of our healing and our legacy. For others, you, you didn't receive the love of a mother that you longed for. Or it seemed ambivalent. At times you did, at other times you didn't. And there's a, there's a longing that probably will never be met. For some, it can't be met. Not, not in your earthly mom. And there, that also is good grief, is, as you bring that to the Lord. Because we were meant to receive that in, in full from our earthly moms. God sees that too. And says, mine is for you. Where any earthly parents fall short, and they all will. God knows I do as a father. His love and grace and mercy abundantly fills that. May we come to him today. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Or God's spirit, we thank you for being a God who reveals yourself in so many ways, and we've just begun to come to get a glimpse of all that you are. More and more we pray, here on earth as it will be in heaven. Jesus, you taught us to pray that. We pray to see you more fully, to know you more completely, to be able to receive your love, grace, mercy, 
delight. Help us today. And we also know there's a longing that will not be met until we get to experience your kingdom in its fullness. May that day come when it is right, when all things are fulfilled in your perfect timing. God, would you bless each one here? Would you keep each one close? May you turn your face toward them and be gracious to them. Right where they are and you know where they are, you see them fully. May you shine upon them and give them peace. Amen.